What makes a miracle in the Quran? In answering this question, it is important to first make a distinction between events that a typical 21st century reader may consider miraculous, and what exactly the Quran considers miraculous. For example, would a mighty hurricane that destroys a village be considered a miracle? What about someone speaking to birds? These events may be considered miraculous by a 21st century reader, but not considered miraculous by the Quran. This paper will strive to answer the second question, regarding the definition of what the Quran itself considers miraculous. A second important distinction regards the frequent usage of the language of sign in the Quran. I may be typically associated with miracles, but are they always associated with miracles? Are all miracles a sign? And are all signs a miracle? After answering these questions, a definition begins to arise of what exactly a miracle is in the Quran. Put succinctly, a miracle in the Quran is a unique divine action, that has the purpose of being a sign, with a degree of supernaturality. In some basic sense, all actions are indeed divine, but for the purpose of this definition, it is something that a human being would not typically be able to do without additional divine action. God is part of the miracle as an agent in a way he is not in the everyday state of affairs. In other words, there is something special about how God acts in miracles that the Quran calls attention to in some manner, often through the language of sign. It should be noted that miracles are unique divine actions, regular events of nature such as night and day may be singled out as signs but they lack a singularity that would make them truly miraculous. That being said, the purpose of being a sign can be explicit, or implicit, but it must be a sign somehow. Supernatural involvement hinges on the further definition of supernatural as something that would not be expected to happen in reality, which assists in making miracles particularly unique. These elements of the definition will become clearer as this paper proceeds, utilizing five miracles as a representative sample. In examining these miracles, their function, agent, setting, and the language utilized will be some of the key elements of dissection. Each one will be seen to fulfill the definition of a miracle and this paper will then proceed to categorize these miracles, utilizing some of the most basic groupings possible. Before even looking at miracles however, it is important to note that there are events in the Quran that are non-miraculous. For example, in Surah 19, as the Quran describes the life of Mary, which does involve miraculous events, certain miracles are juxtaposed with the non-miraculous events. Mary is said to withdraw from her folk to some place in the east. The Quran nowhere in describing this event mentions a sign and this event does not serve as a sign for any audience. The Quran does not call attention to this event by mentioning special involvement by God. Likewise, in Surah 21, Abraham speaks to people about their idolatry, beginning in line 51. Although the knowledge he speaks about is given by God, the Quran does not utilize the language of sign or call special attention to divine involvement. After all, humans can regularly speak, and speak specifically about God without it being a miracle. For one final example, in Surah 27, the Queen of Sheba sends a messenger to Solomon. This is a regular event with no mention of God, and no mention of sign. It is stated as a mere matter of fact. These events will stand in stark contrast to Surah 349, where several miraculous events are described. In this passage, Jesus is said to give life to the dead, cure the blind and lepers, and create a bird from clay and give it life. These have an audience, the Jews, and only happen by God's permission bringing God into this event as a special agent. These events are also called attention to his signs, through the use of the term itself. Beyond the explicit categorization as a sign, the purpose of being a sign is clear in this case from the surrounding context, there is an audience after all. These miracles are supposed to validate the call by Jesus to fear God, and worship Him. This serves the broader purpose of making this miracle one of prophetic support, one knows Jesus is a true prophet with a true message from God because He can provide a miracle.
From this passage, core elements of what a miracle are can be seen, but the wide range of what can be classified as a miracle is also evidenced. There is something that has a human on the receiving end of the miracle, curing, and could be described as beneficial to the receiver of the cure. However, there is also something that doesn't have much of a secondary purpose beyond being a sign, the giving of life to clay birds. That being said, this categorization as beneficial does not appear to be evident in the way the Quran depicts these events, they are simply another miracle, especially as healings are listed next to the giving of life to birds, with no separation between the two. This view by the Quran is significant as often in popular discourse, imagery of miracles is associated with healings, but for the Quran there is a much broader view of the purpose of miracles and how that purpose can be accomplished. Regardless of this variety of miracles, at the center of all the examples written about is a prophet acting with God. The agent is not just anyone, but someone with a message from God. In applying the definition of a miracle posed earlier, all the core elements are seen to be present. A second example of a miracle appears in Surah 26:45, which involves the person Moses, who also happens to be a prophet. In this passage, Moses goes to Pharaoh and tells him that he is sent by the Lord of all, a message from a prophet, similar to how Jesus also had a message. Pharaoh questions Moses, however, and asks him if he can bring something convincing. This challenge is connected to the veracity of what the prophet Moses says, as Pharaoh says that the possibility of Moses bringing, it is only able to be done if, he, is truthful. The miracle itself is introduced by strong language that reoccurs throughout the passage, behold. When it comes to what is beheld, it is the transformation of Moses' staff into a serpent, which the text makes a careful note that everyone can see. A second miracle occurs in conjunction with this event, when Moses pulls out his hand from his cloak and it is white, implying leprosy, and then suddenly not white, some sort of healing. A third miracle occurs after charges of Moses is accused of being a magician, sorcerer. Behold! Moses throws down his staff yet again, and it transforms into a serpent that consumes the serpents of his accusers. These miracles have a similar purpose to the previous ones of Jesus, which is to act as a sign that what Moses says is true, and that he is a true messenger of God. The similar separation between a healing miracle, the hand of leprosy, and miracles that are designed to merely invoke wonder, the staff's transformation, appears in this passage, showing yet again the wide variety of what a miracle can actually be, at least from the audience's perspective. The Quran again does not distinguish these miracles as separate, they serve the same purpose of supporting Moses's message. All of the miracles Moses performs, however, stand in stark contrast to the curing of the sick by Jesus. The overarching purpose is the same, but the way they validate the claims of the prophet is separate. Moses' miracles are designed to be awe-inspiring, particularly the eating of the other snakes by Moses' snake, and do not necessarily provide some benefit to a recipient. These miracles are done by God's power, as emphasized earlier on in the Moses stories, but in this particular instance the text does not read God did this. Rather Moses might be described as the visible agent of the miracle to all onlookers, in this case the audience of Pharaoh's court, similar to the Jesus miracles, in that the audience are disbelievers in the prophet. This supposed conflict still fulfills the criterion of divine action from earlier because of context, however. The earlier burning bush incident makes it clear that God is giving Moses these abilities. Regardless of these differences, at the core of all three of Moses' miracles in this passage are the elements found in the definition proposed earlier. These are divine actions, God provides Moses with a power no human would not have had otherwise, that has the purpose of being a sign, explicitly stated by the text, this is a sign for Pharaoh's court, with a degree of supernaturality, staffs would not be expected to transform into snakes, nor a hand be diseased and then cured by merely being put inside one's cloak. A third example of a miracle occurs in Surah 1236-45, 
when Joseph interprets the dreams of fellow prisoners. In the actual sequence of events, two young men become fellow prisoners with Joseph and relate to him something they see, likely from their dreams. They request that Joseph tell them the interpretation of this dream, which Joseph then proceeds to do. This ability of Joseph is said to be given by God, from what my Lord has taught me, and is connected with preaching to these prisoners as well. Joseph makes a point that these prisoners are worshipping false gods, and because of his power of interpreting dreams, he validates his point through a sign. Within the text, this miracle allows Joseph to properly preach, as he can demonstrate God's backing of what he says. In comparison to the other miracles surveyed thus far, several differences do arise. The audience is much smaller than what is demonstrated in the Jesus and Moses stories. The effect of these miracles is more akin to those of Moses, in that dream interpretation is not necessarily beneficial to the recipient but could be described as merely awe-inspiring. In addition, the level of supernatural involvement has to be emphasized by the text through the words of Joseph. Although he is doing an ordinary action, speaking words, the content of the words is miraculous in that it is from what, his, Lord taught, him. Without that element in the text, and from an outside perspective, dream interpretation could be a merely human action. With some good guessing, or a highly analytical mind, it seems plausible that someone could do what Joseph does. However, from the perspective of the Quran, this action is miraculous, and that is what matters. An ordinary person should not be able to do what Joseph did without God's special assistance. And thus, this miracle again fulfills all the criteria of the definition proposed earlier. The fourth example of a miracle that appears in Surah 359 is different from all of the ones examined thus far, in that the sole agent can be described as God. In this surah, the surrounding verses call attention to a special sign, the creation of Adam. In this event, God is described as saying be to dust and turning the dust into a human being. This event would likely be expected to be miraculous, as dust would not be expected to turn into a living human being, and from the perspective of the Quran, it is indeed a miracle. The surrounding context only supports this conclusion, as the motivation for bring up the creation of Adam is to parallel it with another miracle, the raising of Jesus from the dead. The purpose of this miracle within the text is similar to the others, as it is intended to make people believe in God. That being said, there are important differences from other miracles. This miracle is done solely by God and does not have an audience beyond Adam, and only then, after the fact, as He is the one created. However, it is still supposed to be a sign for those looking back at the event, especially if they have proper understanding. This event raises the further question of what separates the regular actions of God in the world, such as sustaining all creation in existence, and a miracle. Utilizing the definition from earlier, this is indeed a divine action, but one that has the purpose of being a sign. The creation of man from dust is not a regular event in day-to-day -day affairs, hence the supernatural element. Yet, miracles are not just magical events associated with prophets, as Moses' miracle was described by his audience. They can be special events where God acts in the world in a way that stands out, especially when the Quran calls attention to it. The fifth and final miracle that is to be examined in detail is the destruction of the people of Ad in Surah 46:25. Like the fourth miracle, the agent in this miracle is God alone, although it is indeed connected with a prophet. Earlier in this surah, the aspect of signs is clearly brought up, 46-7, and the following stories, including the destruction of the people of Ad, are evidently supposed to fall under this heading. In this particular passage, it describes the brother of Ad, who comes to his people with a message. Similar to the Moses story, a challenge is posed to the brother of Ad, bring us, if you are one of those who speak the truth. However, their refusal to listen to the brother of Ad results in their destruction, which is specifically described as the consequence of them denying, God's signs. 
the destruction itself is described as a sign in 4627, which is a strong indicator that this event should be at the very least considered as a miracle. Similar to previous miracles, the purpose of this event is to serve as a validation of a prophet's message but has an additional purpose of serving as a warning to future people. It is different from other miracles, however, in the description of what occurs. The people of Ad, when they first see their destruction coming to them, merely think it is a cloud that will give rain. However, it is actually a strong wind which destroys everything by command of its Lord, divine action. What makes this destruction of a people miraculous? This is an important question, as peoples are wiped out quite often by regular, non-supernatural events. Hurricane season lasts several months, and often rages terrible destruction. Earthquakes number in the thousands per year. The fact that the Quran seems to consider this a miraculous event is indicated, as mentioned earlier, by the language of sign. But the motivation for this being miraculous seems to be the special divine providence that results in this storm, which may have supernatural elements described in more detail in other passages. God makes a special command, noted by the Quran, to destroy this people, and thus is a special agent. His level of involvement in a miracle might be more remote than the creation of Adam, in comparison, at least from an audience's perspective. The creation of a human being from dust simply does not occur on a daily basis, and from an onlooker's perspective may be more miraculous. Yet the Quran does not necessarily see such a difference, calling attention to both miracles on nearly the same level of frequency. This event, regardless of the audience's view of its supernaturality, still fulfills the element of supernaturality because of its special providential occurrence, people rejecting God results in God destroying them. In categorizing these miracles, several groupings become evident, but the first and most primary seems to buy who the primary agent is. God is involved in all miracles, as seen in the definition proposed earlier, but oftentimes God acts through a prophet, or gives them the ability to perform a special action. For example, Jesus is said to cure people, although God is mentioned as the one giving him the ability to do so. Moses is able to transform his staff into a serpent, although the Quran makes it clear in other locations that God gave Moses the ability to do so. Joseph says himself that the reason he can interpret dreams, and other people normally cannot, is because of what God taught him. In contrast, there are some miracles where a human agent is missing. The creation of man has a human in the receiving end of the miracle, rather than as the agent. The destruction of the people of Ad is said to be caused by God alone, although the events do seem to involve a prophet at some level. Many other miracles not surveyed in this paper can likewise fall into these two categories. The Virgin Mary giving birth to Jesus is a sign for men, Quran 19:20, and involves a human. Moses parts the sea, Quran 26:63, and in that there is a sign. However, as more examples begin to be introduced, new difficulties do arise. Varying levels of human involvement can be seen, as Moses throwing down his staff seems to involve him making a conscious decision to do so, while the virgin birth seems to be described as a passive occurrence to Mary. A second categorization involves the effects of the miracle, which can be broadly defined as either beneficial or detrimental. Jesus curing people seems to be a good thing for those who are cured. Joseph's dream interpretation is likewise a good thing, although more from a physiological perspective, as he alleviates the mental stress from those who may have had difficult dreams. The creation of man is a positive event, especially in contrast to the destruction of the people of Ad. There are some miracles that seem to be rather neutral however, as Moses and his staff turning into a serpent does not appear to be benefiting his staff, although it may be benefiting the sorcerers who then withdraw from idolatry. However, from the perspective of the Quran, these miracles are not categorized into beneficial and detrimental. Miracles, as miracles, serve a purpose of being a sign, and although how they might accomplish this is different from the perspective of the audience, 
it is not from the perspective of the Quran. Perhaps a better categorization than benefit and detriment is between miracles that merely invoke wonder, and those that add on the additional aspect of physical assistance. Interestingly enough, most miracles in the Quran, at least from the ones surveyed thus far, seem to fall into the former category. The destruction of the people of Ad certainly is not one providing physical assistance to the people of Ad, beyond theological reasons of ending their future sins. Likewise, the interpretation of dreams by Joseph is not necessarily fixing a physical ailment on the side of those whose dreams he interprets. The sole miracle surveyed thus far that truly can be said to give physical assistance is the curing of illness by Jesus. In answering the question of what a miracle in the Quran is, a first important premise is that not everything is a miracle. There is a difference between miraculous and non-miraculous events in the Quran, and a primary indicator of this difference is whenever the Quran calls attention to an event by connecting it to a sign. Although most of what is to be expected to be a miracle is indeed miraculous in the Quran, the definition is broader than is typically imagined. For example, while the creation of man is a special event, the Quran seems to see it as more than special, as something truly miraculous. All five examples of miracles surveyed in detail fulfill the definition proposed earlier, although they can be categorized in a multitude of ways. In addition, there are examples that may further complicate the picture of what a miracle is. Solomon is said to speak to birds, Quran 27:22, and humans are not typically able to speak to birds. However, no mention of this as a special sign or involving God's direct involvement is mentioned, beyond earlier mention of God blessing Solomon in a special way. This would lead to an initial conclusion based on the definition proposed that this is not miraculous. In Surah 12:93, Jacob is cured by the passive action of Joseph sending a shirt to his father through his brothers, which is to be thrown over his father's face. God's special divine involvement is not mentioned, nor is any aspect of sign brought up. This seems to be a supernatural event but regardless, it does not fulfill all the elements of the definition proposed earlier. Possibly this is an example of an event a typical reader may consider miraculous, but the Quran would not. Many other events can be brought up, from the spring of liquid copper, Quran 34-12, to the growing of a tree of gourds over Jonah, Quran 37-142. In conclusion, some things that may be thought to be miraculous may not be considered miraculous by the Quran. What falls under the category of miracle may sometimes be difficult to untangle. That being said, a miracle in the Quran seems to be best defined as a divine action, that has the purpose of being a sign, with a degree of supernaturality. How does this compare to the Catholic theological view of miracles? For those who turn to the medieval theologians for an answer, they will find the topic of miracles treated in discussions of God's governance of the universe. There are many questions in this domain about how God exactly operates in the world, and where is the room for human freedom, similar to the earlier discussed questions about the Islamic God's role in sustaining the universe generally, and how God may interact differently in the example of miracles. This same theological principle, that of God sustaining the universe and being always, is seen in the New Testament such as when the author of Hebrews says that Christ is upholding all things by the word of His power in chapter 1. This way of interaction can be defined as conservation, and manifests in different ways depending on the type of creature. On the most basic level, a simple thought experiment will suffice to show the level of involvement God has with everything. Should God hit pause on His act of conservation, nothing would exist from that moment on. This idea is somewhat like how one keeps water hot, it must remain in contact with the source of heat to stay warm. God must stay in contact with all of creation through the act of conservation for creation to exist. However, as recently discussed when treating of animals in the Quran, the concept of the hierarchy of being is indeed present in creation and comes to the fore here. Some beings rely on other beings for their existence, similar to how infants rely on their parents, 
in an order established by God. Jumping ahead to the actual topic of miracles, and skipping over the intricate treatises written about how God acts ordinarily in creation, there are a handful of definitions that can be given. For those who may prefer to look to Aquinas, they will find the topic treated in more depth in the Summa Contra Gentiles, which was written as a series of four books between 1259 and 1265 likely for the purpose of aiding Christian missionaries in explaining and defending their faith against potential points of doctrinal conflict with the adherents of Islam and Judaism. A first definition, taken from 20th century seminary textbooks is an event perceived by the senses, and caused by God alone outside the ordinary course of created nature. In the glossary of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, a miracle is defined as a sign or wonder such as a healing, or control of nature, which can only be attributed to divine power. So what does this actually mean? Although having a central authority to give one a definition is helpful, as opposed to having to scour an Arabian religious text for examples of what seem to be miracles and come up with one's own definition, there is still a lot more to be said. There is even an interesting conundrum that occurs. Nature has an order established by God Himself, and a miraculous exception would require God to be acting contrary to Himself. However, there are two modes of the order of nature. As we just mentioned above, there is the ordinary manner with which all creation depends upon God. But there is also the hierarchy of creation, with secondary actions between creatures. It is within this hierarchy of creation that miracles occur, within this order of nature dependent on secondary causes. There are many other doctrinal points enshrined in the Catholic tradition regarding miracles. No one miracle is harder for God than any other. If one wants to set up miracles in some sort of hierarchy of their own, you will have to rather measure the degree it goes against or departs from the normal order of secondary causes. So what things don't qualify as miracles? The creation of the universe for one, which seemed to somewhat be a miracle in the Quranic view. This is an awe-inspiring event, and could not occur without God. But there is no natural standard for comparing these events to, or an order of secondary causes, and thus it does not count. Within the category of what does count as miracles, there are three main kinds, which are sometimes labeled as substantial miracles, subjective miracles, and modal miracles. The first, substantial miracles, are totally beyond nature, when one looks at the thing done. Consider John chapter 20, when the following occurs. Now when it was late that same day, the first of the week, and the doors were shut, where the disciples were gathered together, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst, and said to them, Peace be to you. To reiterate the miracle occurring here, Jesus came and stood in their midst with the doors shut. Interestingly enough, when Aquinas comments on this verse in his writings on John, he turns to Augustine who said ex fortute que supermer sicis pedibus ambulavit. By the same power with which Christ walked over the sea, Christ performed this miracle. This points to the nature of this type of substantial miracle, human bodies do not normally walk over water, or pass through closed doors. The second category of miracle is what is known as subjective miracles, which was indeed within the power of nature to perform, but not in this particular instance. For example, humans give life to new humans all the time, in fact, all living creatures give life to new living creatures every second of every day of every week of every month of every year. The power of life is within nature normally. But this power is not normally given to a dead corpse, yet still, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Christ is risen from the dead. The last category of miracle, modal miracles, are the miracles which nature will normally do in this one particular instance, but just not in the mode with which it occurs. For example, consider the following passage from Luke chapter 4. And Jesus rising up out of the synagogue, went into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. 
and standing over her, he commanded the fever, and it left her. And immediately rising, she ministered to them. And when the sun was down, all they that had any sick with divers diseases, brought them to him. But he laying his hands on every one of them, healed them. The miracle here is the curing of a fever, which occurs frequently should one give it enough time. But it does not normally happen in the mode of a man simply telling the fever to go away. One last distinction must be made from things that are sometimes labeled miracles. Angels can produce many wondrous effects in nature without any physical contact, because they are purely immaterial beings. Floating chairs, levitating lamps, and the like are all within their power. But these are not properly speaking miracles, because that is a power God put into the order of nature, which includes angels, as created beings. For a Catholic miracle to be truly a Catholic miracle, it must be outside the order of the created universe, because only the maker of that entire created universe is outside it.